2: Hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Nerd Nest podcast. I'm Bill. That's Russ right there. The other guys are, um, well, they're missing in action right now. We're not sure where they're going to be. I know that Kerry couldn't make it today. Rich said he was probably going to come in like mid show. And uh, I don't know if we heard from Kyle or not. Uh, but we've got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show today. And uh, Russ and I. We were just talking in the pre-show, which if you want access to the pre-show stuff, check out um, the the patreon. There's a link down below. Uh, but we were just talking in the pre-show about the games that we've been playing today. So uh, while we're talking about uh, this, uh, while we're talking about the the topics that we have for today, I would love to hear what games you guys are playing in the comments down below. and uh, <laughs> but before we get there, uh, Sam just sent in a super chat. Uh, they said, "Hey guys, I heard a rumor that Santa is getting me a Steam Deck for Christmas this year. What would you recommend I download for it, other than games? Other than games? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Well, R- Russ, do you want to tackle Emu Deck?
0: I-, I can't think of anything else myself. Yeah, I mean, for emulation, Emu Deck is definitely going to be the way to go uh, in terms of just getting it initially set up. There are other options. You can like, you know, you can flash Botasera onto a, like a." a uh, USB drive and then boot it that way. Um, but then also the one I've been using a lot, and this is still kind of games, but uh, XB Play is now available for the Steam Deck within the Steam Store. And so that is an Xbox remote play and cloud gaming uh, oh. app, basically. And it's like five or six bucks, but it'll basically stream. You can set it up for free, but you got to like go into the desktop mode and set up Edge browser, all this stuff. You can just buy this for 5 or $6, and it'll give you remote play up to Uh, I think it's up to 1080p, but obviously that's not going to give you that full resolution on the Steam Deck, but it also will allow you to play Xbox 360 games remote play, which you can't do with the official app. And then also uh, it'll have Game Pass streaming. So if you have a Game Pass subscription, you can also stream through that same app so instead of having one for remote play and everything else you can just do that and it's directly in the steam store and once you buy it and it's in your steam catalog it's not like you only can play on the steam deck you can play on anything that runs steam and so you can play on your pc or a windows-based handheld things like that so it is, it's awesome. pretty awesome yeah, yeah and, and so, it's only six bucks yeah it's it's a real nice utility and it's probably one of the very few that i have besides you know side loading chiaki chi- 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 and then that's basically a it and so that one's for ps5 but same deal.
2: Yeah, that is really cool. I had not heard of that. So um I you know what, Sam, thank you so much for asking that question because <laughs> I because on my when when the Steam Deck first came out, um Microsoft put out like this blog post that talked you through the process of you know how do you how right. do you set it up to do uh X cloud streaming on your Steam Deck. And I went through and I did it and it worked. Um, but then I got the <clears throat> excuse me, the OLED deck and i haven't i haven't bothered to do that yet and now i don't have to and i will absolutely my i've i decided a long time ago my time is worth way more than my money and so $6 to not have to do that and jump through all of those hoops like that's a no brainer for me so uh that's a absolutely fantastic recommendation and then he also mentioned chiaki which is basically the same thing. You will have to jump through hoops for Chiaki, though. Like you'll have to set it up, but it's it's pretty easy, especially compared to the X Cloud version. Uh, but that's awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks, Russ. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, no um, worries. It's not perfect, but it's still it's it's pretty great. So.
2: Uh, what was the app called? It's called X Play. Was it X Play? X B Play. Yeah. X B Play. X B Play. Yeah. X Play yeah. is like a podcast. So uh, if you're looking. At the screen right now, you can see it uh, right there. If you just type in XBPL, it'll pop up in Steam, and then you are all set. All right, so, you know, we've got a bunch of different topics that I, that I wanted to make sure that we hit today. Uh, one of those things was uh, the Game Awards winners. I wanted to talk about, you know, who won what and how we overall felt about those, you know, the the who won and stuff like that. I also wanted to talk about the Game Awards announcements as a separate discussion topic because there were a lot of things that were announced during the Game Awards and like we all we did a live stream with the whole the whole crew was here for the live stream and we sat here and we watched it together and it was it was a lot of fun in the moment of watching that stuff you tend to be like oh this is so great and then afterwards you're like hmm, was it though Uh, So there's some things that that like I know that uh, Rich said he has like a little rant that he wants to talk about there when when he gets here after his uh, after his meeting. Um, And then what we thought about the game, uh, the the game awards overall, and then our favorite smaller games this year. And then if there's some time, maybe some news. So let's let's take a look at the game awards and um, we'll start with game of the year uh, and with game of the year. We had um, we um, Alan Wake two, Baldur's Gate three, Marvel's Spider Man, and if I can just get this on the screen, I don't know if it's going to work. It's not going to work. Um, <laughs> uh, Resident Evil four, uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I have zero problem with Baldur's Gate three winning this, um, but. How did you feel about it overall, Russ? Baldur's Gate 3 over the other games that were in this list as I try and adjust this?
0: So uh, I've got no problem with it either. I can see why it won just from like a technical standpoint um, and just the scope of the game and how much you can do with it, and the freedom within it. And the fact that it kind of flies in the face of like all of the other games that come out with their DLCs and microtransactions and whatnot, like none of that happened here where it's just like, here is your game. We've been working a long time on it and we think you're going to like it and do whatever you want. Like, I love that whole kind of uh, Mm -hmm. idea behind it. I think there were other games like that as well. I think that Mario Wonder and uh, Tears of the Kingdom were kind of similar in that regard. So I love that. I love the idea of this. Like, hey, this game is complete and here you go. And um, I've, I've always appreciated that. Now the the path to get to Baldur's Gate 3 retail release obviously was long and winding, but all the same uh, for me, a guy who didn't touch any of that stuff and just all of a sudden said, hey, there's now a sequel to Baldur's Gate 2 out. I should try this out. Like that's kind of the scope I was at. It's, it's It was kind of amazing. You know, it's not my game of the year, um, but it's still pretty awesome that they created it and that everyone loved it
2: yeah it wasn't my game of the year either mine was zelda and i think you said yours was super mario wonder um yeah. but the like the competition this year was crazy i, I did see a lot of people that were uh, had a little bit of snark that spider-man nominated seven times won nothing um that's that's c- kind of crazy but you know when you look at the games that it was nominated against there were so many of them that were really really great Alan Wake came away with so much stuff, so many wins. Um, I hadn't, I still haven't played it yet. Have you uh, ended up picking it up or or not?
0: I bought the remastered version of Alan Wake One because <laughs> that's oh, you know okay. I can't jump into a sequel, you know, and so I, I played through eh, about two hours of that one. Uh, I need to get back to it. It's on my PS Five, so it'll be great playing with the PlayStation Portal. And uh, yeah, I do plan on playing it. Uh, it's one of those. It's similar it's similar to um like Baldur's Gate 3 and then also Final Fantasy 16 for me, where I'm not in a rush to play those games. They will be excellent a year or two from now. And so uh I- I'm not I'm not to the point where oh I gotta play it right now to be able to keep up with everybody else. Like that's not a feeling I have for some of those older, like not older, but longer, like story driven kind of games like that. So yeah, no rush right now for me.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's move on to best independent game. Um, I'm, we're not going to hit every single category, everybody. That's It's just not something we have time to do in the show. Uh, but best independent game, we had um, Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, Viewfinder. In the pre-show, uh, Russ and I were just talking about that neither of us have really played sea of stars like we played it i played it a little bit like i got through the tutorial and at the very end of the tutorial let you like you get on an elevator and you are in the new place you know Mm -hmm. ready to begin your adventure and i shut it off after that not because it was bad but just because i was I, i just didn't have time um but we were just talking about you know maybe picking that up and playing more of it um you have you played any of sea of stars russ
0: Yeah, I'm a little further than you, so I got to their like Hogwarts or whatever, and that was it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's it's one of those where again I want to savor it. It's um, it very very much so feels like those Super Nintendo RPGs on the playing, and so in the same sense that I still haven't played Chrono Trigger all the way through, like this is on that same tier where it's like yes, I want to play it, just not right now. You know, that's Mm -hmm. where I am.
2: Well, speaking of uh, Sea of Stars, uh, Rich just showed up, and Rich, I know that you adored Sea of Stars. Um, like we were just talking about the fact that it won Best, best Indie Game. What, like, how did you feel about that? I know that you were you were kind of pulling for it, right?
1: Yes, yeah, I was really happy about that one. That was uh, also one of the ones that they did not get to give an acceptance speech. Right? Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we haven't talked about that yet, but we might as well uh, talk about it now since you brought it up. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. You uh, had a rant. Well, <laughs> I do. Are we ready for a rant? I just, I just showed up. That's um, okay. I'm, I mean, we can arrive wait and rant. later for your rant. <laughs> no, no, we can do it now. That's fine. Yeah. So, I mean, like a lot has already been said, right? About the fact that the acceptance speech acceptance speeches were limited to 30 seconds. Um, there uh, were plenty of awards that didn't get to give an acceptance speech. Uh, basically, we talked a lot about the symptoms of where the game awards has gone wrong. And we skip from the symptoms right to the remedies like the remedies being like, Oh, we need to make longer speeches. And we need to have Kojima not to talk for 10 minutes plus. Um, and I think those remedies are, are potential remedies are in the right place, but they, we, like I said, we skipped over the diagnosis and I think the game awards, the, where the game awards had a goal, I've, I've heard Jeff Keely Keely talk about these goals, right? Where he wants to humanize game developers and he wants to be able to have video games have the same reverence that other media types have like movies and music and things like that. And I think that like we've, they've lost sight of those goals completely. Their priorities are at this point in the wrong place. And you can't just, you can't just say, let's make the limit longer and address all of the problems. Because I think one of the other remedies that came up, right, was having a separate show, a show for the awards and Mm -hmm. a show for the trailers and
2: that was about uh, brian altano from ign said that
1: got it and i think it's a cool suggestion but you'll never reach the goals of humanizing game developers and bringing reverence to video games as a as a medium if that's what you do because what's going to happen is what everyone says is you're going to tune into the awards and you're never going to care about or tune into the trailers and you're never going to care about the awards so you never get there if that's what you do so you have to go back to those first principles of how do you humanize game developers and how do you bring that reverence? And I think it, it is about focusing on the celebration of video games in the past year, but also in Mm -hmm. history. So this is where I get into like, wouldn't it be cool if right. Okay. So what, wouldn't it be cool if Carmack and Romero, John Carmack and John Romero presented the best action game award on the 30th anniversary of doom which was this year wouldn't that be amazing
2: that would be well what what, what time of year is that though
1: what do you mean no, it's no, that... the
0: anniversary year
2: oh just the anniversary yeah. year yeah. yes okay yes this, I understand this happens
1: yeah. this happens to be the anniversary year of doom and i don't know who presented jeff right it was probably jeff presented the yeah. best action game award but what if Carmack and romero who are still on good terms right what if they came on stage and presented the award to the best action game winner, like that, would be amazing. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if the Game of the Year nominees got behind-the-scenes montages produced by like NoClip throughout oh, the show? Oh yes, right. Wouldn't that be amazing? It,
2: it, it would. Be cool I don't know if NoClip has the like the staff to do that for that's, all that's of clear. like it. Like, I'd like that, but you know, have NoClip do. Game of the Year, you know, do that behind the scenes things for for five of them. Have uh, other people who do that kind of thing, uh, like maybe video game historian or something. I can't think of who. I just other people. So it's not all on one company because then NoClip doesn't do anything else after that. They're they're right. they're now just right. the Game Awards documentarians. Um, Absolutely, I do think that's an awesome idea, though.
1: Yeah, w- wouldn't it be cool if? for esports, like I know it was like esports personalities and things like that. But what if it was like esports moments, and you talked about those moments, like you actually got to see what those moments were. Like there are certainly for Evo, there were some huge moments throughout the years that if we were to, even if we didn't do moments, and you just did the like events, you could have showcased a a moment from those events. Uh, What if what if we had videos leading up to the game awards where like those behind the scenes and things like that where like you were hyping up the game awards yeah. and the and the things that happen throughout the year. Right. right, from one more. Bet- between the time
2: no, of when they announced them until the actual game awards, you know, like the couple of weeks where the voting is happening, show that stuff. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, the last one is what if we just treated the trailers like a, like a commercial and not the reason to continue watching, because here's the thing. The trailers were not the reason to watch this year. We had a backlog of like amazing games that were in development for the last three, four, five years. And what happened this year is we got that cathartic release of like, this has been one of the best years of of gaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Like the Super Bowl pre -pre pre-show this is one of the best years in gaming and instead of thinking about that and reflecting on that we kept looking to things that are coming next year or the year after most of which didn't compare honestly didn't compare to what came out this year and so you're going to have those years because of the way game development works it's five year dev cycles at the minimum you're going to have these years where the trailers are not going to be great uh they were fun. I, there were some really good games that are coming out soon. So I, I don't want to downplay that, mm-hmm. but it, it pales in comparison to what happened this year.
2: Yeah. I think that those are all really good points. Um, uh, Daz me in chat uh, said something that I think is very important to think about. He says the game awards are like the super bowl. There is a large chunk of the audience that only cares for the commercials. You'll never convert those people to just watch an award show. And, He's absolutely right about that. I am one of those people. I, I want the the people who make the games to get the recognition that they deserve, but I don't really care if I watch it. I'm I'm happy that it happens for other people. I personally am there for the ads. Like I want to see what's <laughs> coming. And I know like but I also recognize that they way overcorrected from Christopher Judge's seven-minute speech and just, you know, the please wrap it up when Larian Studios is talking about, like, their 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 colleague that passed away and please wrap it up is I, – I know that nobody was like, hey, I know he's talking about this, but let's put please wrap it up on the screen. Like, that was probably something that they automated and they, like, they hit the button, a timer starts going – and then he's in the middle of his speech and it switches over to, over to that but it didn't feel good to 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 see that and like they didn't even get a chance to announce that it was coming to Xbox so it was right. like this year was a wild overcorrection from last year and I I do feel like they're thrashing back and forth between like all right this year this happened so how are we going to fix that for next year and then they they go way too far in the other direction and it it keeps having this this weird tug of war trying to nail the right thing. I like what you said. How you know Jeff Keeley says that he wants to have it be like the Oscars. The difference between the Game Awards and the Oscars is almost all of the movies that are uh you know, being talked about at the Oscars that are receiving the accolades that, that they do what they do deserve. Almost all of them are not in theaters anymore. You can't go and see them. They're all like on streaming or you can, you know, buy a DVD or something. So the motivation for getting people to buy them or go see them or something is kind of over at that point and so there's way less advertising happening outside of just the regular commercials that are on during TV. Does that does that make
0: sense? Yeah, and they're also not trying to sell you on the next year's movies at the right. Oscars, you know what I
2: mean? Yeah. They're they're just they're just there to celebrate last year's stuff. Right. And can like obviously I wonder if it's possible to even have an award show that doesn't have the announcements from next year, because people are like companies are paying money. I I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming, you know, like some company is like, here's a bag of money to make sure that my game gets shown during the game awards. Otherwise, they can't run the game awards because it's probably an expensive endeavor. Does that does that
0: make sense? Yeah, I I honestly think it should be treated like a Super Bowl, where. My wife watches it for the ads. I watch it for the game, you know, and we both are happy. And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of the way they have to go. And I I agree, like put the trailers as an ad, something in between the main show. And people will then make their own judgments here and there. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a weird spot because they are I I 100% agree. We need to celebrate those games. I watched the game awards or at least for the first time this past week. I watched it for the first time because I mostly wanted to hear about games that are already out that I missed. And so when I'm looking at Best Independent Game, I played three of them. And so I'm like, okay, well, what are these other two? If they got nominated, they must be pretty decent. And so I'm there to kind of learn about the stuff that's available right now. The trailers are great, but trailers happen all year round. And so the only thing that stood out to me from all of those ads was the Sega commercial, because of those five games coming, and then the God of War DLC. And that was it, you know. And I thought that was amazing. Everything else, I'm just like, ah. I'll deal with it when it gets here. You know, we we have such a big backlog of all these games that I want to see what I need to play next, and that's really kind of helped me hone that a little bit.
2: That's fair. Did uh Rich, do you uh do you do you want to have any more to any more thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> no, I think I think um closing it on us agreeing that you treat the trailers like a commercial, right? Like it's in between in between the awards. Um I think that's the main thing. Right. And I think, like I said, returning to first principles, uh, I feel like uh, I'm not just going to put it on Jeff because there's a whole production crew Mm -hmm. um, that, that prioritized the, either the money or or the future. um, But I think prioritizing a celebration of games as a, as a medium is where it should be.
2: Yeah. And like my, my biggest gripe is when they're like, they're, Look, nothing against like celebrities or whatever that that do play games or whatever, but like when you go out there and you're hiring Al Pacino to come out and squint at a teleprompter who he can't see it because it's too far away or whatever, like he didn't have anything to do with the video game industry. No. Nothing against him, because he's a fantastic actor. But why? Like, what is the point there? During the skit when Gonzo came out and I was like laughing because it was funny. I enjoy them. Like, I love the Muppets. Gonzo coming out. Does is there a Muppets game coming? If there is, then I'm all for seeing that kind of thing. But if there's not, like, what's it there for other than to pad the time so that they have more time to put ads in? Yeah. But at the same time, do they need to do that because it's so expensive to put on a show like this? Like, maybe you can't do it without all of the the, the capitalism stuff. Right. Um, yeah.
0: I don't know. The way I, I see it either. is I I wish that. Uh, like, so just an idea like, okay, so say we take the best game of the year and we got our five or six nominations. So what if we had montages where each of those development studios talked about one of the other games and what they liked about it? And we I had those like that. interspersed throughout the, the show, you know, where it's like celebrating the game itself. Because some of these I want to see footage of, right? I don't know what viewfinder is. It's a best independent game nominee. I don't know anything about it. I would have loved to have seen a clip of that game during the awards show, it'd be like, oh yeah, that's definitely up my alley, you know? So uh, that kind of little thing, I think would have been pretty awesome.
2: Yep. Yeah. And I, if you're not going to give people time to talk, then there shouldn't be an award for it. Like don't have the awards where somebody's just like, they just got the, I'm not, not a lower third, but the thing on the right hand side of the screen where it just has a bunch of lists or a bunch of games listed. And then the host is like, hey here's the games that it won what was it best rpg
1: that best rpg
2: best rpg was just a baldur's list of games on the side and they're like and it's baldur's gate 3 moving on i was like what
1: baldur's gate 3 won like two two or three awards in a row where the the friends per second podcast was talking about this where they got to go like "Woo!" and right they that's all they got before <laughs> jeff keighley started announcing the next award
2: yeah but
1: but you're right, it's not just trailers, right? Like you'd probably fit all the good trailers into this show and it wouldn't mess anything up, right? Like the Blade trailer, the Sega trailer, the Light No Fire trailer. You could probably fit all of those good trailers into this show and it would still be great, right? But there's Kojima talking for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I thought that was I thought that announcement was cool but not cool enough to warrant the time that it took because by the way, Death Stranding two is still not out, right? Like now we have two Kojima games that are three to four years away from releasing. Maybe I it's because we're so think old
2: about that it was cool. Go ahead, Russ.
0: I don't know. I was about to say that maybe it's because we're so old, but I am just done with Kojima hyping stuff up. I don't care anymore. <laughs> release the game. And then I'll yeah. make my judgment. I don't want to hear you talking about it. Like, I'm, I'm, I've been listening to that guy talk about games since Metal Gear Solid 2. And I'm just done. I'm like, let's actually yeah. play it. So.
2: That was fair. really irritating to me. Like, they have him come out. I, look, I am not somebody who... I, I'm not a Kojima fan. Mostly because I just never played the Metal Gear Solid uh, games. So I don't have that nostalgia for me. I don't, like, hate the guy or anything. But what like every single time I've seen him talk especially when it's related to the Game Awards or Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley's like, so tell us about your game. And he says absolutely nothing for five minutes. Like, he literally told us nothing about this game, OD or whatever. He was like, and by the way, here's Jordan Peele. Awesome. Jordan Peele's a fantastic director. What does that have to do with video games right now? I understand they're collaborating, and that's fine, but... I just don't get it. I, it's beyond me.
1: But and this is going to transcend video games, guys.
0: Right. Sure. It's not, the thing is, it's not just Kojima, right? But it's just he's the one. Like, I, I don't have anything against him. I actually love all of those games. But he, it's the same with, like, the Fable guy. Peter Molyneux, is that his name? hmm Peter like, It's just like they, they just sell their stuff. And I get it. But maybe we're just jaded at this point. But I'm like, I want to I see the results first. And then we can kind of hang out because fable was never great <laughs> yes
2: show me Yo. gameplay and Yo. then there's the ads for like how many ads did we see for that one like waifu game where the oh the miHoYo anime characters what was it called
1: I I was saying miHoYo which is the studio name um, oh
2: okay I don't know but it's, it's I, just the same thing over and over like, yes. anime character running to the side with an explosion, and they're carrying a big sword that's too big for them to carry. I'm I'm, I'm okay. H- have that be a game genre. Do we need to see it three times? Not at all. Yeah. I don't know. By the way, I,
1: go ahead. One more thing that gets lost in all of this. Like, uh, Jeff Killy has a whole other show for just trailers. Summer yeah, summertime. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like he he has that already. I don't know why, why we need this, but yeah, that's me.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, the, the, at the end of the day, we're not going to come up with a solution. Um, so I don't know what the, what the right play is, but, uh, I will say that I enjoy watching the game awards. I enjoy watching summer game fest, um, for me because of the announcement. So let's move on to my favorite part the announcements um and and russ you you mentioned what what were your favorite things that came up and i i I put all the announcements in uh a document in uh in the show notes so that we can you guys can scroll through it real quick because there was a lot of stuff that got announced that people like won't necessarily remember russ what's one thing that, that you were hyped for
0: So number one, was that Sega trailer. So it had Shinobi, Streets of Rage, uh, help me out. What were the other ones? I'm blanking. Uh, Um, So Jet Set Radio. Golden Axe, Jet Set Radio. Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi. I knew it was a driving one. Yeah. And so it was really, really awesome to see those IPs just getting development work. Now, you know, they can come out later on and everything else, but it's pretty awesome. And especially Shinobi looked really good for me, uh, cause it seemed to be a fast paced kind of 2d side scrolling action game and so i was pretty hyped for that one i'm i have mixed feelings about golden axe in particular because i don't like that being a 3d third person camera kind of game because they tried one on the ps2 it wasn't that great um, i prefer it to be like a th- like a 3d style isometric like beat em up like how it was originally in the first two so we'll see about that one but it is pretty awesome i've never been a big dreamcast guy i never uh, never played like on that platform when that when that came out, I wasn't really playing games. And so I don't have that nostalgic, like hit, like everyone else does. And so yeah, crazy taxi and jet set radio just don't really hit home for me in the same way, but it's pretty awesome that they are making them as fan favorites. So,
2: so the Sega games, rich, uh, which of those ones are you the most hyped for out of those? was it five, I think Uh
1: good question. I'm going to go with Shinobi primarily because it looked like those it might be from the same developers as streets of rage 4 i I don't know if that's been confirmed or not yeah super awesome um so i'm really excited about that i like the format it's taking or it's taken and you know shinobi is a game that we just haven't seen in a long time but was a classic right so i'm happy to see that come back
2: so for me um what i've been i've been wanting for years because i played crazy taxi like all the time i absolutely adored that game uh that soundtrack from the offspring was just constantly running through my head and uh, uh, what i would uh, want them to do is bring that game back but have it be like online all the time i know people are going to get mad at me i want a games as a service kind of game where you know i i log in i it's a free-to-play game i can you know buy the battle pass and decorate my taxi get different shirts for my (laughs) character play dress up drive drive around picking people up in like this open world going for high score or whatever and you could even do it like a battle royale where the 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 you know different parts of the street the city are off limits and everybody's racing to get to the the character, the uh, passengers first, and deliver them to where they're going. And every once in a while, they gotta kick everybody out you know, who doesn't have enough money to stay in the race. So you know, you get to you know, you got ten thousand dollars, and if you got nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, you're out of there. And then everybody that's that's the buy-in to continue playing. I would, I would love that because. Like, there's no real combat. It's just driving from one place to another, picking somebody up. It still feels like the same single-player game, but to have that competition at the same time, that just seems really awesome. And I I want them to lean into the real locations. Like, in the original one, it was like, take me to Pizza Hut, take me to Taco Bell, take me (laughs) to all (laughs) these places, take me to the, you know, Fandango or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I think that that would be really, really cool. And... I would be here for it. And Michael Rent Benny in chat says they will microtransaction everything, but you could still only listen to the offspring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that's yeah. Funny. I would also want to have my own soundtrack. Yeah,
1: for sure. I think the thing that's going back to jet set, I think the thing that's giving me about getting too excited about jet set radio is someone mentioned it, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, right? Or am I getting it right? Cyberfunk, yeah. Um, that game yeah. came out this year. And I don't know, I don't know if Sega can top the other, the other jet set radio, right? Like the bomb rush, cyber funk. That is so good that I'm, I'm cautiously, uh, I'm waiting to see how Sega does with their, their version.
2: Yeah, I, I never played Jet Set Radio, so I don't I don't have the nostalgia for it. So that was just one game that I didn't play. So I, I'm not excited for that. Uh, Russ, unlike you, I am very excited for Golden Axe. Uh, I always felt like it was a game that was 3D. You know, it had like that isometric perspective. And like the over-the-shoulder camera that looks kind of like God of War when you were playing mm-hmm. as the, the dude with the horned helmet, I thought that looked really, really fun. I would really like that to also be multiplayer so like me and other people can get in go do a dungeon together as these Golden Axe characters. Um, If it were just another side scroller I don't know that it would really land for me nearly as much. What about you Rich?
1: I don't have like a strong connection to Golden Axe. Uh, I think it was Russ, one of you, one of the games that you showed off on your screen and I didn't get it that day. I don't have a strong connection to, to Golden Axe. Um, I like Streets of Rage 4, so if they were going to do another beat 'em up, up, uh, I like the way they did it with Streets of Rage 4. I have I have confidence in Sega finding the right partner to make a good beat up. I don't know. I don't know how this one's going to turn out, but I'm curious.
0: Yeah, I think as we're talking about it, what I realize is I want Golden Axe like Diablo, basically like Diablo with golden axe oh. characters that's what i'm kind of thinking in my head is something like that that would be cool
2: so like yeah. top down isometric or you mean the loot grind
0: yeah like like hack and slash kind of feel you know uh with but more story driven like level driven you know that would totally be it for me
2: yeah that would be really cool uh rich what's uh outside of Sega because we hit that Sega thing uh yep. w- like what jumped out at you as the thing that was most exciting
1: ooh the most I'm gonna say blade I'm happy to see I'm happy to see um art what is it Arcane Leon Arcane is yeah it? yeah um, I'm happy to see them get another kind of if it, it feels like it's going to be immersive semi again um uh, but just blade the, the property is is awesome so I can't wait to play a blade game we didn't get much information on it so I don't really know what to expect exactly but those guys know what they're doing so I think it'll be something to look forward to.
2: I was really surprised we didn't see anything from uh Wolverine. How many years has it been since they showed that little that little uh video where he's sitting at the bar?
1: Anybody know? It might only be one year. Really?
2: It feels like yeah, it's I been yeah. I feel like forever. it's only been about a year. Okay. Well, I was hoping to see something uh, there, but you know, uh Carrie has that um theory that the the when we see stuff like that that's not actually anything that they've even started working on it's just a cutscene to attract developers to work on it which is fine yeah. i just i wish that they wouldn't show so many cutscenes scenes and, and show more gameplay yeah. um so are, are you are you hyped for for blade uh, russ
0: I actually haven't seen the trailer that came out after I had left for the day. Like, so I didn't get oh, to watch that right. and I haven't watched it yet. And so uh, I actually haven't caught up with some of those things. I had to Google like, yeah, list of game awards and announcements. So I have that up on the other side. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. you made the spreadsheet. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the only other one that really hit me uh, is, the, you know, I love Moon Studios, those are the people that made the Ori games yeah. and mm-hmm. they have that new like hack and slash style game called No Rest for the Wicked. And I'm I'm torn because they they did say that it's going to be like challenging or something like that. And I was like, mm, I don't like challenging games, you know, but uh, hopefully there's an easy <laughs> mode or something. They had easy modes in the Ori games and those were pretty challenging if you didn't play in the easy. So yeah. hopefully it's something that I it's palatable for me, but I, I just have trust and faith in those guys. You know, one of the things that really attracted me about Moon Studios is that. There was an Android port of the second Metroid game. It's called AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake. Oh, yeah. And it was like a freeware game. This guy, like, there's a single developer. I think he was Spanish. Just made the game, like, out of love for the original Game Boy 1. And Moon Studios hired that guy for Ori. Like, oh, they just like he, he did such a good job. And they're like, let's use this skill and this talent of like creating these things. And you can kind of feel a little bit of that. I think it's only in the second I'm, I'm kind of talking out of my butt right now, but I think it's the second <laughs> one, the Will of the Wisps one where he actually was hired in um, because I saw like a tweet or something from him saying, yeah, I helped work on this game. And that's just amazing. Like the fact that they hired in like a talent of somebody who just loves that platform so much and just that kind of uh, genre was really cool to me. And so I was like, all right, Moon Studios is cool, you know, despite, you know, outside of the whole game itself and the game being great, like, it just seems like they're doing all the great things about it, too. So it's awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's really I think the same thing happened with Christian Whitehead and um, uh, Sonic. Right. What's the the 2D pixely
1: Uh, Sonic Mania?
2: Yeah, Sonic Mania, which is the best sonic in my opinion it's the best sonic that we have had since the original one in my opinion it's just so good and it baffles me that's that sega had moved away from like i wanted sonic mania too bad
1: Hmm. yeah a thousand percent i don't i don't know know what sega was thinking They're like yeah dope game we don't need to do that again we'll just we'll just do our own (laughs) thing
2: yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know um For me, the one that I got the most excited for, no surprise, Monster Hunter Wilds. I adore the Monster Hunter games. Um, A lot of people find them impenetrable because Capcom is terrible at making a a sufficient tutorial for those games. (laughs) So if you want to learn how to play a Monster Hunter game, you have to... You got to put in the work. You got to go and watch like um, YouTubers explain how to use the different weapons and learn like there is work involved with playing a monster hunter game. But once you once you put in that work, then it becomes really, really fun uh, because the gameplay loop is just so fantastic. Go on a hunt, kill a monster get its parts, turn those parts into new armor that makes you more powerful so that you can go on another hunt and get another monster and repeat the same thing over again. It's incredible I got 50 hours on the Nintendo Switch version of Monster Hunter Rise. I got a or I got 200 hours in Monster Hunter Rise on my Steam Deck. When Monster Hunter Wilds come out comes out. I mean, good luck getting a hold of me. I can't wait. Um have either of you guys played the or, or like are you either of you guys Monster Hunter fans? Never played no, it. I I've, played I've always of... thought
1: of it
0: as like adult Pokemon. I I don't know anything <laughs> about it. That's just what I heard. So.
2: Oh, well so there's a Monster Hunter s- Stories, which is a mm. Pokemon game in the Monster Hunter world. Ah, uh, okay. That is very different than this. This is more like I would say it's kind of like a Souls-like crossed with a looter game where, like, you go in, like, Diablo-style, go in and, you know, get some loot, but the monsters have, like, you have to learn their tactics. So, like, oh, every time he, like, turns his back this direction, he's going to do a spin, and his tail is going to hit you right about here, so you have to make sure that you dodge at exactly the right time. Very... Um, what's the is not souls like what's the is that souls like i mean that
0: gameplay mechanic sounds like souls like like elden ring memorize patterns that's the that's the
2: thing elden ring is souls like right yeah it's very Mm -hmm. souls like i would say it's more forgiving than those games uh and there's multiplayer so usually we'll get together with you and three other hunters and uh you go out into the wilds and do your stuff so i'm i'm hyped for it i just hope that like 20 was that one that was 2025? I can't remember now. For Monster,
1: oh. Yeah, I think so. For Monster Underwald. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just I just clicked on the the article. It's coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox, uh, and PC sometime in 2025. So it's gonna be yeah. a while before we actually get to play that. And that makes me very, very sad. Yeah. All right, uh, in chat, if you guys have a game that you uh, were really hyped for their announcement, let us know. I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep an eye out. We just got a super chat that came in from Chrome Gear. Uh, thank you so much for that. They said, hey, I wanted to get a Steam Deck over the ROG ally, but I only care for PS3 emulator. Can the new OLED Steam Deck handle RPS, R- R- whatever, the, the PS3 R- emulator? Gear. Yeah. Yeah. Russ, this is right up your alley, man. I guess you better answer.
0: Yeah, a few days ago, I did a, a, a video showcasing emulation on the Steam Deck, and I did PS3, did a section on it. You can play lightweight 3D titles, but anything that's going to have a 3D engine attached to it is going to kind of bog down. RPCS3 needs a lot of cores and threads to really run well. The Steam Deck just unfortunately doesn't have that kind of horsepower. And so... Uh, I, I found that at the basically the Prince of Persia level is where things got rough. And so that's, uh, that's kind of like the top 75%. So those, there's going to be 25% of games that are just not going to be playable. You get about 15 frames per second and a 30 frames per second game. So yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, whereas on the ROG Ally, you can play anything. Uh, RPCS 3 runs great on it. You have to throw a lot of power into it. So you got to throw a lot of wattage at it. Um, but you can play all the way up to God of War 3. And that's pretty amazing.
2: So, well wow. so you're going to be like what do you think like an hour?
0: Oh yeah, you're only going to get about an hour 10 minutes of battery life if you're really pushing it unfortunately, yeah. but just be near an outlet, you're good.
2: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fair. Um r- real quick uh what was I just going to I was going to ask, oh, um so speaking of retro, we just had an announcement of a new retro system. You know, uh, and it's called the Retroid. Where I got stuff in my way, the Retroid Pocket Four. And Russ, you wanna you wanna talk a little bit about the Retroid Pocket Four?
0: Yeah, I actually just released a video about this morning, uh, just kind of speculating on it. But essentially, there are two models. There's the 4 and the 4 Pro. Uh, This is basically, they usually do like a plus mid-cycle refresh. This is both of them at the same time. So they're having a low spec and a high spec model. Low spec model, RP4, is a Dimensity 900 chip. So that's the same as the Odin Lite, which has been out for about a year at this point. So not a huge jump, but the RP4 Pro is really interesting. It's a Dimensity 1100 chip. That means that, uh, at least looking at specs and whatnot, it should reliably play PS2 and GameCube, the entire catalogs, and most of them upscaled to a 2X resolution. So, this is really interesting for me because I've always wanted a PS2 GameCube handheld at around the $200 price point, And that's what the RP4 Pro is before taxes and shipping. And so, yeah, it's really exciting. You know, we have the Odin 2, which came out, you know, last month, and that is $300 plus. It really, if you want a good one, it's going to be about 400 bucks And that can play them all too. But there's a big difference between two hundred and four hundred dollars. And so uh, I'm really interested in seeing this one to get like an affordable PS2 GameCube handheld. I used to get when I first started the channel, I used to get all these emails of people saying, I want a PS2 handheld and I'll pay anything for it. And they're like, I'll pay five, six hundred dollars and stuff. And I'm like, OK, just wait, you know, and then things will get better. And we're at that point now, yeah. finally, two hundred dollars for decent PS2 and GameCube. That's awesome.
2: What do you think about it having a 5,000 milliamp hour battery to emulate that level of stuff? Do you think that's going to last long enough?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the same battery life as the Retroid Pocket Flip, same battery size. And so uh, the chip is pretty efficient, the 1100, and and it also has an active cooling fan. So I'm expecting six hours of gameplay, probably at a minimum. And so I think that's pretty good.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Are are you interested in picking up one of these, uh, Rich?
1: No, I, I think I love that price point. <laughs> I love the I love the style of them too, um, like the Super Nintendo ones. Uh, I love that style. Um, but yeah, I, that's the thing. I don't need any more handles <laughs> than I have. Um, so I, I think it's great for for like you said, people that are have been waiting for PS2 and GameCube emulation to come to this affordable price point. So I'm happy it exists, but I, I don't have a, a need to pick one up right now.
2: Yeah, I so I'm assuming this is this is just gonna run Android again, right?
0: Yeah, it's just an Android handheld. I mean it's yeah. we're stuck with that, you know, and there's gonna be inherent issues with that and the input lag and things like that. It's just not gonna be as like we're not there to get a Linux based handheld yet. That's really what I'm waiting for. So there's definitely room for improvement with this. It's not gonna be the perfect one, but it's the first 199 one that I think is like a viable PS2 GameCube handheld.
2: So I think that's pretty that's awesome. awesome. I, uh, I, I I have to admit something to myself is that, like, when it comes to emulation, the games that I care about, I don't have it handy. It's not, it's not nearby. I think it's in my backpack. Oh, no, I can see it. It's over on the table over there. Uh, the games that I care about are all 8-bit and 16-bit uh, systems. And, you know, at most, PS1. Hmm. And I can play almost all of those on my Miu Mini Plus. And I honestly, like, the emulation for, like, the higher-end systems, I just don't play those ones as nearly as much. I just find the I don't have the nostalgia there for those. Yeah. And without the nostalgia, I know that there's a lot of people that love these games. But a lot of people love these games for the nostalgia. Just the same reason why I love um, Cosmic Arc on the Atari 2600. I love it for nostalgia, right. not because it's a good game. You know, yeah, uh, so for me playing these other, you know, these other systems, I'm happy with the Miu Mini Plus. The only thing I wish it had a slightly bigger screen, and uh, that's the only thing that I would want from a Miu Mini Plus is a slightly bigger screen. Uh, and it's it's not Android, which I I love onion OS. Android is, I know that you have like your video about Daijishu, Dai, Daijishu. Um, mm-hmm. it's still. Kind of kludgy, and I don't like the, the like the the setup. It's too much too much work to just get it going. Onion, yeah, too many layers. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Onion's easy, right? And I assume garlic yeah, the- is easy too.
0: The thing is that uh, the demographic who has the nostalgic feels for PS2 and GameCube are not ours. It's a younger demographic. I have a little bit of that just because it reminds me of being in like my early 20s and hanging out with my roommates and stuff. But there are people who that's their childhood is like PS2 and GameCube games. And so in the same way we feel about Nintendo and Super Nintendo and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, that's how they're feeling. And so I totally get why. There are people who really want that kind of idea. Me, I just want to play Paper Mario, like Thousand Year Door, mm-hmm. like comfortably on a handheld and maybe NBA Street, you know, things like that. And so, yeah, it's it's funny how, how things work in terms of nostalgia and whatnot. And and you're right, I, I think that Android is just a bunch of layers on top of layers. And so it's not a perfect experience. You can get it tweaked pretty well, but you never get away from that feeling. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to a dedicated linux-based handheld i guess the way i see it is the rp4 and pro are like a mid a kind of a mid grade between the mia mini plus and the steam deck like it's that center kind of area and i think a lot of people like that idea so
2: yeah i agree uh rich you got something you were gonna say
1: yeah so good good catch by ben with the onions and layers joke i know (laughs) i thought that was funny too um yeah so i I was just gonna say with ps2 and gamecube that there is like a specialness to that generation where those games still mostly hold up and there are a lot of games from that generation that any given person didn't play right Mm -hmm. that like you Mm -hmm. can go back and i'm gonna name some random random games but like Ten Thousand bullets on the ps2 no one's played that and it's pretty decent it's not bad it's not great, but it still kind of holds up and like it's it's interesting. Um, it's one that more people have played by now is God Hand, right? God Hand is one of the greatest right. games. Um, but at the time, a lot of people didn't play it. And so there's something about the PS2 GameCube era where it's not, for me, it's not nostalgia. It's a, it's a combination of nostalgia and FOMO, right? It's a lot of stuff I missed out on that I would love to go back and try. And that's why that is why I find that generation to still be special. Whereas the super Nintendo, I feel like I've gotten the flavor of all the games that are on there, even for stuff I haven't played yet. I feel like I've Mm -hmm. gotten that flavor already, but Mm -hmm. PS2 and GameCube still has a lot of unique experiences. Yeah. I
2: will say that like for PS2 and game, like for that era, for that gen, um, a lot of those experiences, like those experiences were fresh at the time. And But a lot of those experiences are still around, just like in the sequel, like, you know, this game seven, whatever, you know, whatever it is, like the seventh iteration of this game that started during that generation. But there are some really good games that didn't like they don't exist anymore, like SSX Tricky. I loved that game during that during that generation. We don't have. Uh, like they stopped making uh, Twisted Metal, even though we got the TV show, uh, which is baffling to me that they would make a TV show and not try and tie in a, a game of some kind for that. Even though I don't really care about that that game because I didn't I didn't own it when I was younger. I know that people adore that that franchise. Yeah. All right. Um. So we did have a super chat come in, and Diamond Geezer uh, said best steam deck game of 2023 so right before the show in the pre-show Russ and I were looking at our at our steam decks and we sorted because if you didn't know that so you just press Y on your library and sort by year and we were kind of going through the year and looking at the games that came out this year the game that I wanted to talk about came out last year but I didn't play it until this year so I guess I can't I can't talk about it uh <laughs> rich
1: it's your it's your show dude yeah <laughs> maybe
2: if there's time we'll see because we've been going long um rich start us off what like what what's your favorite game that you played on a handheld this year it doesn't have to be necessarily be the steam deck if it's uh not compatible but like your favorite handheld this year or game
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna give a game but i'm gonna say it's not my single favorite there's so many so many dang games and like boulders gate 3 is inevitably going to be most people's number one game uh handheld or not it did have uh mm-hmm. i know i had some hitches at the in act three but it still plays generally well on a handheld anyway point being i'm gonna pick el paso elsewhere i haven't mentioned that on this podcast yet el paso elsewhere is a max Payne meets shadow man so if you like Whoa. max Payne and or you like shadow man you need to get this game and it's uh the voice actor for this he does an incredible job of just capturing that noir but also a little satirical feel uh but yeah so you you go around you're killing zombies and stuff like that but you have that sort of bullet time and but also there's this atmosphere and narrative around a female dracula i think her name is dracula uh, and just I'm guessing you guys haven't played that one.
0: Never heard of it. I'm googling it. It looks awesome.
1: Yeah, it was. It's so good. It was funny because in the pre-show, Russ and
2: I were joking that we bought a bunch of games because you keep bringing them up. Like, you keep, <laughs> you're, like you're selling so many games to us. Like I bought yeah. Pizza Tower because of you.
0: Uh, I Russ, have luck to be, a be a landlord.
1: What do you think of that one? It's okay.
0: I just, I started it a little bit, tried the tutorial. I haven't played it much. I, yeah. I, I failed you, but, uh, the dev guide is money. So it's all
1: good. <laughs> no, that's cool. That, uh, that one is also very particular, just like pizza tower. Right? Like, and yeah, these games that I pick are things that not everyone's going to like, but the people that like them, they're going to love them. Hmm.
2: Awesome. Uh, Russ, did you just buy, uh, Desperate? What was it called again? I was, my wife was talking to me oh, elsewhere. El Paso. I suppose desperado. Why did I think El Paso? <laughs> did you just buy that, Russ? I put it on my wish list.
0: It's not on sale right now, but I'm
2: hoping okay. Well, we got the winter sale. Yeah, we got the winter sale coming like in a week or two, right?
0: Mm-hmm. There should All be right. something so at the end of the
2: year. There's still hope for for Russ's wallet to fly out of his uh, <laughs> out of his pocket. There. What mm-hmm. uh? What what's your favorite? Like one of your favorite games that you played on the handhelds this year, Russ?
0: Yeah, it's weird, uh, you know, my game of the year is Mario Wonder, but I have not played it much like I uh, actually wrote up something for Steam Deck HQ. I don't know if they put it out yet, but I basically said this is my game of the year this year and it probably will be my game of the year next year because I'm playing it so slowly like I am going to play it a bunch next year. And so uh, that I don't think really counts, but uh, I played a lot of. Probably Tears of the Kingdom is probably the handheld game I played the most this year because I wanted to get through the whole story. And so I put a lot of time into that. I have specific flights I remember being on where I was just like playing through that game. And that was good. Uh, I had a good experience with it. It just wasn't a game of the year kind of thing for me. It was more like I got to I got to do it because the other Nerd Nest guys are doing it kind of thing. Um, I also did the same with Diablo four, like I played a bunch of that mostly out of Carrie's enthusiasm, enthusiasm, which was bleeding over into me, you know? Uh, but I, I learned pretty quickly that it wasn't a game for me. I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think through what I played a lot of this year. And the only one I really finished and like had a really great time with is so old. It's resident evil four, the original one, not the remake, because I was like, if I can get through this one. Then I can, I can, I owe it to myself to try the new one. And I was freaked out by the old one and I was like, I can't play the new one. I, like, I did the demo and I was like, no, I can't do this. So I had it, uh, you know, in my plans to make Resident Evil 4 one of my games of the year and just my little baby scared monkey brain couldn't handle it. And so I had to turn it off.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is not related to handhelds or whatever, but um, like last night I broke up my PSVR 2. Because we have the uh, the update to Resident Evil Four with VR, it's a free update. And I was like, "Oh, I'll try it out." I you know I skip the opening cutscene because I'd already seen that, and you know i have dropped off and I'm supposed to be looking for the dude, you know the, the whoever it is that I'm looking for, uh, or not the dude, the, the lady, and um, I'm walking through the area and I get to like a, a a building. I open up the door and I'm I'm walking through like the little hallway. And I I get to the first room and then I was just too scared. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm not going any further. I've had enough. I need to take this off. Uh, no, thank you. It just is way too creepy. And boy, it's funny because when when Resident Evil Village had their VR version, like what what needs to happen is my son came up and he 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 like I was like, here, try this out. And he went. He played it and he was just like. Nothing was bothering him. He was just running through like a crazy person. Like he had sprint on the whole time. And after watching him, I was like, okay, I'm fine. That didn't bother me. And I was able to play a little bit of it. It didn't hold my attention because I'd already played the game before. uh, So I needed to like, and I had other things to play. So I didn't stick with it. Um, but i need i need somebody to just play the vr version so i can sit there and watch and be like all right i know when this jump scare is going to happen i know when this one's going to happen yeah. and i'll be okay but just the idea that i was in this room and like it's kind of a shabby room and there's like some boards that are just kind of like blocking your view just so you could just barely see what's on the other side of the boards um and i was just like i don't know what's over there and i I don't want to know. So, even though I I almost beat Resident Evil 4 on my on my PlayStation, it's just too scary in VR. Yeah.
0: The thing is about uh, Resident Evil 4 or any Resident Evil game, sprinting is the way to go, right? It's like I've watched Mm -hmm. other people play. I'm like, okay, that you like kind of dominate if you do it that way. It reminds me of um, one of my best friends is incredible at Mrs. Pac-Man. When I try to play that game, it freaks me out because I'm just like running away from those guys. And it's just like it's just stress, you know, Mm -hmm. he hunts them. Right. He's as the opposite where he's in dominance. And so watching him play is exhilarating. And that's how I see Resident Evil player play uh, Resident Evil players play. It's like they are just full on running through. They run past the zombies. For me, it's like, OK, how much ammo do I have? I'm going to stand here, hit him once, run away, hit him again, run away. Like I'm going to play like I would be playing in real life. You know, no. they're playing it like a game. And so I just haven't been able to get over that. I thought that playing it on a handheld would make it better because I'm removing myself from the experience. I'm not playing on a big TV or VR where it's like right there in my face. Instead, it's like a handheld I can put away. And so I thought that would be the thing that would help me. But nope, it's still rough. So yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe when I'm older, I can play it, but I'm I'm a baby right now.
1: But it reminds me of like Doom Slayer and Doom Eternal, right? So like up until Doom Eternal, it's like, oh, you're stuck in here with the demons, but in Doom Eternal, it's like, no, they're they're stuck in here with you. <laughs> right. right. Nope.
2: That's yeah. a quote from one of the worst movies ever. Uh, <laughs> watch that Yeah, it's terrible. I yeah. hated that movie. <laughs> um, all right. So I was looking at my my games uh that came out this year. Um uh, one of the ones that I probably enjoyed the most. Was a clone of vampires? I don't. That sounds terrible. I hate saying that it's a clone of Vampire Survivors, but it's like it's that genre. You know what I mean? And that's Halls of Torment, which kind of feels like Diablo One mixed with Vampire Survivors. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. uh, As far as like a, a great game to play on a handheld, and it will it will run forever. Uh, absolutely forever. And then the other one that I wanted to bring up... Or the other two that I wanted to bring up... Um, Whisker Squadron, which is kind yeah. of like... It's kind of like a a roguelike mixed with Star Fox. With lots mm-hmm. of neon colors. And it's really, really good. Um, that, that game's fantastic. It's verified on Steam Deck. And then the last one is Xenotilt, which... No, I had already nice. played Demons Tilt, and I loved it's a pinball game. Um, Xeno Tilt, absolutely fantastic. It's a it's basically the same game with a different skin on it, but it's awesome. You can you can kind of catch like you got your your flipper, and you can kind of catch the ball in the flipper, and then guns will pop out and start shooting at like the enemies that are flying around on the on the pinball board. So those are my three that I love the most, and they all look really good on the OLED with the because they've got lots of like really like really dark colors next to uh, highlighted colors. I think that they they all just really pop on there. Uh did you guys play any of those?
0: Yeah I played both. Uh Whisker Squadron, uh yes. one thing to note too is the um soundtrack is awesome on that. So that's been a lot of fun to play. And just the the sound of like when you kill kill an enemy like <laughs> kind of sound very satisfying and so yeah i really enjoyed that game xeno tilt i actually didn't really like a lot on my steam deck because the ball was too small for my eyes like i couldn't follow it sometimes so it is something i've been enjoying on a monitor more uh but still yeah really good game
2: i would say you can zoom in by the way like you can adjust how how zoomed the like um xeno tilt is so you can Mm -hmm. zoom in a little bit more so like you can see the ball better but that also means you can see less of the board. This is the the, right. the problem that we've always had with um, pinball games is that like they're a vertical thing and we're playing them on generally horizontal stuff. You know what occurs to me? That would be really cool to play on the Legion Go if I can I turn actually, the screen sideways.
1: I actually did a bit about that on my starter guide. So And Demon's Tilt was one of the games I tested. It didn't work as well with Demon's Tilt as it did with uh, like a vertical schmup, but maybe Xeno Tilt will work better. Um, it works. Like uh, it supports the portrait display. It just was, for my taste, really, really narrow. Um, so maybe something to play around with with Xeno Tilt, but you should definitely try it because, yeah, like you said, you also have the controllers, right? Separated yeah, controllers. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. Emilio Sanchez in chat says uh, Have I tried Yoku's Island Adventure? It's a Metroidvania pinball game. I yes. own it. I have not played it. Like I, I ended up picking it up when it was like stupidly cheap on one of those Steam sales. Russ is and adding it, just...
1: it to his wish list right now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is a demo. <laughs> yeah, it's a oh, good yeah, game. I recommend it.
2: Yeah, I um, played a tiny bit of it. Go ahead, Rich.
1: What's funny about the survivors games like Halls of Torment, right? Is that everyone has they they have their own survivors game and they stick with it, right? So like mine is Hollow Cure. I saw someone say Rotato, of course Vampire Survivors, but yeah, Hollow Cure is a good one too. So if 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 you're still haven't d- uh dived into the uh survivors genre, check out either Hollow Cure or uh what was the other one? Halls of Torment? um but i think both of them are still on the top 20 for steam deck um holocure oh, is free i was going to say holocure is free it is jam packed with like content it's insane how much content they packed in there um is it always free
2: or is it just a deal
1: They're always free i think they cannot charge money for it basically is be- because it's associated with hollow live which is like a whole i i don't know enough about like the vtuber stuff is is high tech low life in the chat <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know i don't know nearly enough um, it says it's unsupported it works it works great. Oh,
2: okay all yeah. right yeah i'll believe I don't
1: you know why it's unsupported i just added um, it to my library two two more games just while we we're talking about games is yeah octopath traveler 2 which yeah. came out really early in the year and more so than hi-fi rush like i feel like people forgot about octopath like people thought we were going to forget about hi-fi rush but we're still when it came to game of the year awards time we remembered hi-fi but we didn't really remember octopath and we already mentioned it but sea of stars bears mentioning again that Mm -hmm. was so good yeah
2: i i never played octopath 2 i played the first one and i thought it was really good um there's a lot of chatter in the game, like it's, you know, your characters are constantly talking and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just don't yeah. know if I still have the attention span for that. Like I get tired if there's too much yammering. I don't know why Baldur's Gate 3 didn't bother me because there's a lot of talking in there. But it's also like there. in Baldur's Gate 3, you have those crazy moments where somehow they made dialogue intense. Like, that's the thing that I I, that's the thing that I loved most about Baldur's Gate three is, you know, trying to convince like I got into this one moment in the game where I was I was in an area and there was somebody who knew something that would be very bad information if it got out for me um, was dead. And there was somebody in there that was going to raise that, like they were going to do the the Dungeons and Dragons spell where you can raise them from the dead and ask them questions. So my character, I was like, well, if I'm in here, they're going to find out about me. I better leave. And I was trying to leave. And they said, no, you can't leave. You have to stay. And uh, it, so my options were fight or say, OK, I guess I'll stay. So I said, OK, I guess I'll stay. And then... He's casting the spell to raise this thing, and I had to try and use mind control on this guy in order to force him to ask questions that he would not want to ask to avoid me getting the finger pointed at me. And like it came down to like you know you got to roll a thirteen, and I hit a I hit a thirteen or I hit a fourteen, and it was it was super intense moments like that that was just crazy and it was not combat it was just dialogue roll a die and i don't know how they did it but it kept my attention where other Mm. games when i'm when i'm playing it's just like they're giving me all this backstory there's so much lore that they're trying to exposition that they're trying to give us in a game like uh octopath traveler 2 That just my i'm like oh there's a shiny thing over there just went by i you know i got distracted by that so I don't know, but yeah, everybody yeah. loves the combat.
0: I'm looking forward to Octopath Traveler too. Uh two things kind of held me back about it. Number one is I it, initially I wasn't sure whether or not it was related to the first one and that I had to play the first one first. I don't think it is. And so I think I can just jump in. And the other yeah. thing was that the combat was harder than I was expecting. Like in the prologue, I almost died. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like they're they're like, OK, if you're buying this game, you obviously played through a lot of other JRPGs. So you know what you're doing. Here's the game. And I'm like, wait, wait, I'm not that guy. Like, I I want to be <laughs> handheld through it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I found it to be more challenging than I was expecting. And so I, I immediately, and even whether or not it's even true, just my brain was like, okay, this is going to be a grindy game. And so I was like, well, then I'll save it for later. And then I never got back to it. And that's kind of where I am with that game. And it sucks because it runs great on the Steam Deck.
1: Yeah, I think what happened really is just like turn based RPGs. Like, I, I think I think it was Final Fantasy 13 was the turning point, right? I, and this is not about Final Fantasy 13. I haven't played it. But I feel like around that time, it was just like, people started complaining about turn based RPGs just being too simple, right? In terms of mm-hmm you just hold x or you can some of those games have like the mm-hmm. robot button the ai button where you just press that button and it'll just take your turns for you and you'll be fine um so somewhere around that time it started changing and the turn-based rpgs started getting more either interactive mechanics um so like uh, sea of stars is a good example of that where they have they borrow like the, the what's it called the mario rpg mechanics and things like that or like that. yeah right or you get more of like the Valkyria Chronicles stuff where it's mixing the turn base with the, with like the real time and the strategy and the planning. Um, So I I think Octopath Traveler two, once you play it, there's, I wouldn't call it grindy, but you do have to kind of get settled into what that battle system is. And it's a little more complex than your, than you might expect if what you're expecting is classic 16 bit RPG, like FF six or Chrono trigger. Right?
0: Yeah. I, I, I play those games for the story, I really do. And so, I just <laughs> want to get whatever is in service to the story to get me further along because I I want it to be an interactive book. That's what I think about when I play an RPG. I want an interactive book. When I play an a uh, story-driven like action game like something like Metal Gear or Uncharted, I want that to be an interactive movie. Those are the two types of games I really like to play, interactive movie or interactive book. And so, uh anything that's me drilling down through a menu is a Mm -hmm. big turnoff for me. And so it's always kind of rough to find something. It's a good balance for my own expectations.
1: I wonder if they have something for that, right? Like accessibility mode or something like that, where you can kind of grind, not grind, but quickly go through those battles. But I will say the narrative is, is it's the reason to play that game. It's really, really engaging. Yeah, it's really good. That's awesome.
2: Have either of you guys played uh, the Bravely default games? Mm Mm-mm so they have a really cool they're they're a turn-based jrpg uh but they've got a really cool mechanic where you have two options and i'll probably get them wrong i can't remember which one's which um you you have the ability to store up your attacks so let's say like it's my character's turn i can choose i i can choose to go default and uh basically they'll just wait and every time that i do that all of my bravely attacks get more powerful <clears throat> excuse me and uh, it it gives you this choice where most of the time you you're always just like oh i just want to i just want to attack or cast the spell cast my favorite spell every time it gives you like this choice of risk versus reward of do I build up my bravely by doing my default attacks and then unleash them after I have like my my white mage cast a spell which you know uh makes them all take more damage to bladed weapons I'm just making this up uh mm-hmm. they all take more damage to bladed weapons and I'd cast that right when my warrior has reached the maximum amount of bravely like stacks that I can do. And then I unleash it and I attack like 17 times in a row. It's very, very satisfying to get through. But at the same time, like there's a lot of like waiting and the game has like this mode where you can be like, just do your own thing. And I will interrupt you if I think it's time for me to change tactics.
1: Hmm.
2: And like, I, I liked that. But again, tiny, tiny little attention span. I didn't end up finishing either of those. But <laughs> and I think they're I think they're both on the 3ds. If I I think one's on the 3ds, the other one's on the uh, Switch. Um, but they're both really, really good uh, good games.
0: Yeah, i love that auto equip and like auto level up option in some games oh it's so great like x-men legends 2 on the GameCube and
1: ps2 had
0: that option it's like yeah you're gonna pick up all this loot and we'll take care of that for you i'm like yes that button please you know that's always amazing for me
1: yeah it
2: drives me crazy when i have to make those decisions i'm like do i want to have this green number be higher or do i want this green number to be higher and i'm not sure which is better (laughs) for me and then I just end up giving up, and then I have to have to like look, look it up and say, "Well, with this one, you got to make sure that you this number is not ten percent higher than this number, or otherwise this will happen." I'm like, "Okay, I can't, I can't do this." I love the audio equip. What were you about to say, Rich?
1: Uh, it looks like I was wrong. I was going to say, "Wasn't weren't it was weren't those two games developed by the same studio, Octopath Traveler and Bravely Default?" But I can't find any evidence of that. I th- for some reason I thought, I thought they the that they same were both. <laughs>
2: Aren't they? I mean, that's Square Enix. I think that they're both Square Enix games.
1: Yes, both Square Enix, but I mean like the the actual studio.
2: Oh, yeah, because that's the publisher. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. hopefully somebody in chat uh, has an answer for us uh, about whether or not those are... Um, oh, yeah, Bravely Second, not Bravely Default 2. Oh, there's <laughs> three of them. Okay, so there's two 3DS games, and one of them is on the the Nintendo Switch. All right. Uh, and, and Henry Heck is saying Square did them, but we don't know... Or did they develop them or just publish them yeah, while we're the waiting for that answer what yeah. would you
0: say russ well the first one was made by silicon studios and yeah they did not make the least silicon studios did not make those games the uh
1: Octopath yeah game, so. yeah
2: all right uh well before we uh wrap everything up um paladin is saying that bravely default 2 is also on steam so add it to your wish list mm, um nice. Real quick, a game that you probably don't want to add to your wish list is the day before. (laughs) I mean, I've heard, holy cow, this has just been an absolute disaster of a game. Like, even before it came out, this is, like, the most wishlisted game on Steam ever, right? Am I right about that?
1: I I don't remember if it was ever, but it had the most wishless. uh at least at the time of of before release and then
2: this game finally comes out and there's been all kinds of bad stuff about it uh like like drama leading up to it it finally comes out and then the game the company who made the game they said all right well we're shutting down uh no <laughs> more out. <laughs> we're, we're done uh it's this company named fantastic or fantastic i don't know how that how they want to pronounce it but here's what they said they said today we announced the closure of the fantastic studio unfortunately the day before has failed financially and we lack the funds to continue all income received is going to be used to pay off our debts and our partners somebody was like um so like I want my money back what happened like what's going on here I'm not happy about this and they replied sorry for the 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 expletive everybody they replied shit happens like this is the craziest story there's going to be a documentary there's going to be a no-clip documentary about this story rich what do you think about these guys
1: (laughs) I hope there is a documentary um yeah it's it's screaming scam and as someone in the chat pointed out the Emilio is he's been screaming that it's a scam for over a year uh, Emilio Sanchez in the chat um there have been a few like videos and as uh, like articles about this over the last year or so and it's been giving scam for a long time and I don't know I I think that Valve should have done something at some point I don't know what the answer is right but like they this has been a thing for a while and now we're to the point where like yeah it's being sold these people won't be refunded um valve did take them off the store and also the name of the developer has changed to eight points so at least on steam db so if you see a game by eight points definitely stay away right Um, (laughs) yeah but uh they they filed for bankruptcy so we're not going to get Really, anything from them. They're already paying off. I wonder what those debts were. Like, I wonder if those debts were already in place before the development of this game. Uh, because I think the studio had another game that was a scam under a different name prior.
2: So they had launched a game, and then as soon as it came out, they abandoned it. And then they did that again. So they, uh, and this is all from memory from like a YouTube video that I saw. So all yeah. of this is. I'm not making accusations here. I'm just repeating things that I had heard. Um, So then they had done that again. They made another game, different genre, and then they abandoned it very, very quickly and started working on this, which is why a lot of people were looking at this game and they were like, okay, let's look at it, look at it with a skeptical eye. With that history behind it, I don't understand how this became the most wish-listed game unless people were doing it for the memes, right because every I time we've those, seen footage like gameplay footage there there, there were people looking at it and they were like it doesn't smell right here what were you saying rich
1: i think it's just one of those things where the people that are on like terminally online like i am do not necessarily reflect the average consumer right like they just see this game on steam it looks good they wish list it and then the more people that wish list it the more people will see it because it's been wishlisted by so many other folks so then they start wish listing it um maybe some people were like train wrecking it and just wishlisting it to see what would happen. Maybe same for the people that bought it. Like, yeah, CJ people said he did it for the memes. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I suspect that most of them were just average consumers that got duped.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking, I don't know anything about this game other than yesterday when I heard it all got shut down, but looking at stills of it, I'm like, that looks good. It looks like Last of Us, but like a little bit more mm -hmm. of like over the camera or over the shoulder camera, like Gears of War kind of look. And it looks good to me. Um, But yeah, IGN gave it a one. They called it unbearable. And so... (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty crazy. They give everything a six or a seven,
1: so that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> right. The scale starts <laughs> at six. <laughs>
0: it does. So
2: they basically they had a negative score. Uh, Emilio in chat says all the voice acting in the game in the trailers was AI voiced, so oh they have gosh. potentially stolen voices from people. Um, so hey, maybe I'm in the game. You know, <laughs> who knows? Right. I got I got a lot of there's a lot of audio footage out there of of me running running my mouth. And maybe I'm a zombie. Who knows? Uh, I thought that like stuff looked cool, but then watching videos about it where people were like, look at how this character moves. This is totally scripted. There's no way that this is a real thing. And I was like, okay, they convinced me Like because I did think it looked cool. But then when I saw all of the stuff that people were saying, I was like, oof, that does, that's no good. That's no good uh and then i guess the last thing that i want to talk about before we wrap up and uh, this one i promise will be fast because it took way too long for this to actually happen um e3 is canceled forever it's done uh it's over goodbye uh what does anybody still care at this point like it's been kind of limping along for the last three or four years and uh are we still, are, do you, are you sad about it? I'm sad I never got to go. Rich?
1: No, I'm not terribly sad about it, nor sad that I didn't get to go. I think I, I, I definitely was one of the people that didn't care anymore at this point, but it's good to have this closure, right? To know that it is done and to not, I don't know, have dozens of videos about the death of E3 anymore. Oh, well, uh, they'll be I've, there. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not after the next week right i don't know May- yeah it would be good to have like a retrospective on e3 and and all the the great moments but yeah i think um it's good to have that closure now of course we have summer game show and other nintendo directs and playstation uh, showcases so we'll have other things um but yeah it's it's it like i said it's good that it's that we have that closure and we don't have to think about it very much anymore that's true, uh,
2: Russ. Did you ever get to go to E three? I, I never got to go.
1: No, for me, E
0: three has always been a dream. Like I remember, like in the late nineties and stuff. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be so amazing to just walk around a floor in all these booths and all these games, and you could see them, and maybe try them. Like that's always been an amazing concept for me. Uh, I've never been to a gaming convention like that, and so I'm still kind of drawn to that idea. And by the way, like I got accepted to PAX East, I think I told you guys already, so I Mm -hmm. might be going to PAX East. And so that might be like my moment to have that experience. I always loved watching those E3 big announcements, but, you know, the companies now they just do them on their own anyway. And so it's not that huge of a loss for me other than that dream of having the ability to walk around those booths and so maybe i'll rekindle that with pax east i'm going to ces again this year which is going to be next month but that's more like electronics like there's very little in in the way of games there it's just kind of a cool place to nerd out for a bit and so i'll be there uh, in january in vegas for that as well
2: awesome i'm also going to be well i am going to uh to pax east as well so i'm very uh very excited for that rich are you going to pax east
1: i haven't planned on it but you guys are convincing me so all right yeah nerd I, I nest, nerd nest show. lab show that's yes. right
2: oh yeah i'll have to I'll have to bring my my podcasting equipment <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for us today for this extra long episode of the nerd nest podcast before we get out of here uh make sure that you check out these
0: guys channels russ what's your uh, what's your latest video so I did one I'm on the Retro Pocket 4 like I mentioned. My next video is going to be uh MU deck for Windows will be officially launching uh by the mm-hmm. end, by this weekend. And so I'll be putting out a video to coincide with that launch to say, "Hey, it's now publicly available and free and here's how to set it up."
2: Awesome. Rich, what about you?
1: Um I have a few videos I'm working on, so uh X-Rail review should be coming soon and uh Games of the Year
2: Very cool. And I don't even know what my next video is going to be. I'm still trying to figure it out. I've been, like, shooting B-roll of the One X Fly, trying to decide how I want, like, what I want to say about that device. I'm still very, I'm very conflicted about that device. It's so strange. Um, So, you know, look for that, uh, maybe. Who knows? Um, And next week, by the way, for those of you who do come to the live shows, uh, we're also doing this going to be on Tuesday next week as well because I have an appointment on Monday so I won't be able to do the show live on that uh, that that on that day so we'll do it on Tuesday as well uh, and if you are listening to this in your favorite podcast player make sure you rate the star the show five stars if you want to support the show uh, join our Patreon there's links uh, in all the places where you would want to find links and uh, from the nerd nest stay rad everybody bye-bye. See you guys. Bye guys.